Welcome to the Chamber Podcast. I'm Dan Harrison, and in this episode, we're going to be discussing diversity and inclusion in football. I'm really pleased that Dal Darrock from the Football Association has joined myself and Paul Faulkner to discuss some of the work that's been done in this area by English football's governing body. And of course, some of you may know Dal from his other role with the Asian Business Chamber of Commerce. Uh, Dal, thanks for joining us on the, the latest episode of the, the Chamber podcast. A few people in chamber circles all, all know you as one of the newest members of the Asian Business Chamber uh, committee, but uh, just start by telling us a bit about yourself uh, and your role with the Football Association. Hi, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So I am part of the Asian Business Chamber of Commerce, as, as you've said, one of the executive board members there. My background is in management consulting, so I worked around 15 years in management consulting in, in Big Four Consulting. So I was working across the people and change agenda um, on global clients, um, and I was asked to come and join um, the FA in early 2018, where I became um, head of strategic programs there, which was the the England's coaching division, the technical division, where all the England teams sit. Um, subsequently, after I had done a short stint there, I became interim head of diversity, and it's just grown ever since. So now, kind of in the job now, um, working for the FA, I'm coming up to two years in the FA now. You're a local boy as well? Yes, I'm originally from the black country, and very, very proud of that, um, from a small town um, just outside Wolverhampton, but now living in Sandwell. Will and all, I know it very well. Um, and you've, you've talked about your, your, your role as uh, Head of Diversity at the FA and a major body of work for yourself and for the organisation has been the uh, In Pursuit of Progress uh, programme, which you've got a few pieces of literature with you today. Just tell us a little bit about what this, this programme is. Yeah, so In Pursuit of Progress is our main equality, diversity and inclusion strategy. So that is a three-year strategy that was put together and released in August of 2018, so we're now one year in. So that strategy is pretty much everything we do across the national agenda for quality, diversity and inclusion. So that includes what we do internally. So if the FA holds a mirror to itself, what do we do? How are we structured and governed as a as a way to to ensure that we represent the communities that we serve. So that's what we're doing internally around our targets, making sure that we have adequate gender balance, we have people from BAME backgrounds, you know, we're representing all protected characteristics so that we can truly say that we are a diverse organisation. On top of that, we have a number of activities we're doing across our elite teams, which is what we do at St George's Park, so some of the positive action programmes we have in place there. We have a third strand, which is around grassroots football, and that is how we work with the county FAs, um, 50 plus county FAs around the country, and how we are ensuring that we drive DNI best practice, diversity and inclusion best practice into the grassroots uh, game, into, into football as a whole. To put this into context, we are probably talking around there are probably around 100,000 grassroots teams right now in this country, 30 million people that are spectators of the sport. Of course, football is the, the national sport of the country and the world, if you like. And they are around about 12 million um, participants of the game in this country. So putting that into perspective, you know, it just means that there is tremendous power of the game, football itself, to, to really drive change. And then the fourth pillar of our plan is around some of our inclusion programmes. So that's some of the work we do around mental health. It's work we do around LGBT. Um, it's what we do around, you know, certain um, programmes such as refugees and asylum seekers and integration, what we do around Asian inclusion, faith and football. Those are all the kind of things that sit within the inclusion programme space. 
Okay, I'm just going to bring uh, Paul in now because uh, obviously yourself from a, a, a sports background as such with, with Aston Villa, you were involved yeah. with the FA as well too, but I know specifically at, at Villa, you were uh, really proud of some of, some of the work that the club did in this area in the community uh, team. It feels like a long time ago now, Dan, but I mean, no, absolutely. I mean, at, at Villa, we got very heavily involved in the, the equality standard as as was I think it started really back in oh six oh seven and we we went through a number of different levels and um I was just sort of looking back at some of the the records I think it's twenty twelve when when the club achieved the advanced level of the equality standard which at the time um was was sort of the the, the gold standard as it were I think Villa were the second club in the country to reach that and but what what's great and sort of talking to to Dal and and, and diving in and, and getting up to date now is to see how um, the the programs that the FA uh, are rolling out, and I guess just the whole approach to diversity and inclusion is so much more sophisticated now. You know, and that that comes with, I guess, over time and greater knowledge. And um, as, as St George's Park has has come online, I mean, what a wonderful resource that is for for the FA and for the national game as a whole. And it's of course what you put inside uh, the bricks and mortar of a facility such as St George's Park, which is how you really um, make a difference. And you know, hopefully, we're starting to see that that on the pitch but no the FA is as Dal's just outlined it's such a responsibility I mean football is so powerful the reach of football is, is so powerful that um, I take great heart to see how it's developed how it's continuing to develop I mean there's so much more which still needs to be done but you can see um, brilliant work being done being led by um, really sort of stellar individuals um, uh, working within the uh, the FA now yourself included of course Edel. you know and and I guess it, it shows how things are shifting and changing and, and there's a lot of examples of that you know across the board and it, it's making positive strides isn't it yeah absolutely I think you know um St George's Park as a facility itself is such a tremendous place. You know, it's 300 acres plus. It's where all of our national teams train. So before any international, before any game, you will find, you know, members of the teams that are usually around there. So there's obviously a, a good facility there. There's the hotel next door and the National Football Centre. So that is the home of where the England teams sit other than Wembley Stadium. So the technical division is based out of there. And, you know, of course, there's loads of things that we do across um, the England teams in terms of its support structure and making sure that it's truly accessible to those people that have a, uh, an aspiration to make it to that kind of level to, to work in an international setting. So, you know, I can, I can probably name a number of programs that we have in place um, where we give coaches in particular an opportunity to come in boost their employability, but also give them the chance to work at international level. That's both across the men's and the female game. So yes, there's to, 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 you know, to respond to what you're saying, there is, there's a lots of, there's lots of activity going on in that space. And I was just going to ask you about some of the sort of top line, um, figures and statistics from, from year one of the plan. I mean, one of the, the headlines that, that jumps out and you kind of alluded to it in a way, um, there and it, it has gained some national cover coverage. Actually, is the FA's commitment commitment to interviewing uh, at least one BAME uh, candidate for, for national team uh, positions? I mean, it's something that fans of American sports will probably know as the Rooney. It was known as the Rooney Rule in America, wasn't it? Yeah. So the, that that particular piece is around making sure that we interview or ensure that qualified, diverse candidates are interviewed for England roles. And so it's an adaptation or a principle taken from the NFL's Rooney Rule, which is really about making sure that individuals that perhaps in the, in the past haven't felt that they've had 
been able to or have had, had access to roles. So it's almost, you know, tapping into certain communities that perhaps might have switched off in the past and actually demonstrating that, the, you know, the game is open to everybody and it doesn't matter where, what kind of background you have, whether you have a disability, you're from an LGBT community, you're from a BAME background, you're female, it shouldn't make a difference that you are eligible to apply for any role. But we need to make sure that we're tapping into those communities. So that is really about, that, that kind of take on the Rooney rule is about ensuring that from our perspective, we're getting diversity through the door. You know, ultimately, anyone that gets the job is so somebody that's skilled and has the requisite experience to do the job, and it's always based on merit. But what we are saying is that sometimes, you know, the, the philosophy is in order to treat people the same, sometimes you have to treat them slightly differently depending on where they're from or what the background is. And, and roles within within football, lots of professional sports, so few and far between that it's about making sure that people at least get the opportunity, as you say. You know, there's always you know, the decisions taken on merit, as it absolutely should be, but it's ensuring that, that as many people, and certainly from, from communities which may otherwise feel excluded, they get the opportunity at least. And by doing that, it starts to create, again, positive momentum and ensure that we're, we're picking all of our roles from the, the broadest possible talent pool and not excluding. And that's going to make everyone better, isn't it? Yeah. And, and for us, for every national team role, we have actually seen people from BAME backgrounds, you know, in terms of candidates being interviewed. So from our perspective, you know, we feel that we've met our commitment there, that we've had suitable candidates from various backgrounds apply for jobs. Um, and, that, you know, that is a sign of success for us because it means that people are seeing the FA as a viable place to have a career. That hasn't been adopted within the leagues yet, has it? But is that something there that... There are other versions. There are variations. So, you know, I, th I know the EFL are looking at their version yeah. slightly differently in the way they approach it. But, you know, the sentiment is the same. Yeah. And it's funny because I guess, I mean, football, it's a common language, isn't it, in any 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 sort of walk of, of life? And we, um, when, when, you know, conversation starters at the, the, within the you know, meetings we have and whatever, we often talk about parallels between sort of business and sport. And I guess there's a there's a bit of a synergy between this and what the, the Asian Business Chamber have been doing with their diversity pledge. And it often addresses... Um, you know, diversity in boardrooms and, and perhaps encouraging that? Oh, I mean, absolutely. I think um, across all businesses, the the the, the value of uh, greater diversity, um, greater inclusion is, is being recognised. It makes businesses better to have diverse voices around the table. And, I, and you know, we've seen that in, in the past few years that that has... Um, there's been a greater focus on that, I suppose, be that, that, that gender, ethnicity, sexuality, you know, um, it, it's crystal clear that it makes you better as well as being sort of morally the, the right thing to do and sort of, um, you know, football being the, the nation's game in some ways there's always a, well, there's a greater spotlight in many ways on what, what football clubs do and, and, and the FA um, being the bastion of the uh, the national game sort of does so. And that's why I think, you know, it is so encouraging to see the steps that they're taking because it sets a positive examples for others to follow, not just within sport or within football, but, you know, within business as well because while there are you know, steps being taken, there's still an awful lot more which needs to be done. So kind of we've got to keep banging that drum, absolutely. Yeah, like you said, Paul, you know, the, uh, the business case for diversity and inclusion uh, and equality across any kind of industry is clearly shown and there is a case there. So, you know, if you just look at some of the reports that say if you have a gender 
balanced organization actually there's a there's a better uh, bottom line overall you know the efficiencies are there if you have a BAME uh, diverse workforce then you know there are statistics that suggest that actually you bring uh, better value to your bottom line as an organization you know and there are statistics out there that tell that story but it's not just about kind of protected characteristics it's also about thought yeah. and and you know the diversity of talent so if you have a group of people that are homogenous in terms of you know what they are and and uh, where they're from but actually they bring with them different experiences that is a diverse group yeah. you know so it's not just about people instantly think you know when you talk about diversity and inclusion it's it's instantly thinking about let's get people from different backgrounds together let's make sure we've got someone from the lgbt background or someone that has a disability it's not necessarily all of those things but it's also about diversity of thought and talent as well and bringing people from different experience have different experiences and different backgrounds that can slightly give you you know that can give you a slight different angle on what you're trying to yeah, achieve perspective and yeah, yeah. And that is what makes you better I and mean, when you think of i mean uh, across the whole country it's so important i guess just for one moment focusing on on, on our region here you know sort of birmingham or, or greater birmingham and we've got such a, a diverse population that you know it, it's um there's even more need i guess and opportunity to ensure that we're tapping into that because we want to make the the most of of all of the the people who are here in this region, you know, and if we can do, then that's an absolute opportunity to turbocharge uh, our talent yeah. across any organisation, be it sport, business, you name it. Um, you know, the people are out there. We've got to make sure that they get those opportunities, just like Dal was saying, really, around the, the sort of the, the what the, the Rooney Rules tries tries to do is just to make sure that the different individuals in different communities who maybe wouldn't otherwise get that get those chances. It's so so critical for us here. Okay, and uh, some some real great strides have been have been made within football, um, and particularly highlighted through some of the work that, that you've told us about that's been done at the at the FA. But there there have been some some high profile cases of, of discrimination right at the top of of the game, and I just wondered how that impacts on on the work that that you are doing, and I, I guess it brings an increased spotlight. Yeah. It is, you know, it's not something that we accept. We don't accept any forms of discrimination in the game, first and foremost, you know, knowing that actually what we can't do is change society. We can use football as a as a, uh, a tool to drive change, but ultimately, you know, we can't solve society's ills, but we can certainly be a platform for change. And I think everything we do across In Pursuit of Progress is un underpinned by our work on discrimination. We are tackling and trying to tackle discrimination of all forms, uh, whether it be, you know, Islamophobia, homophobia, whether it be uh, racism, any of those things we want to take away from the game as much as we can. And so some of the work we're doing, yes, absolutely, some of the recent high-profile situations have obviously focused the mind, but of course um, everything we do is underpinned by that. So we have a number of initiatives that are focusing on making sure that we can drive a positive message and attempt to take away any forms of discrimination from the game. And it's important to highlight as well, though, that we, 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 we've talked about the, the those incidents that, that kind of get national coverage. Um, but And you, you mentioned briefly in some of the statistics you gave, but this is also about it's top to bottom, it's grassroots, it's eradicating discrimination from, you know, your parks, pitches and youth football, etc. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of work to do from a grassroots perspective as well. Um, of course, you can imagine parents seeing their children on a weekend playing Sunday League or playing, you know, playing in teams. It's not an environment where you want to see those kind of things happen. Of course, those kind of things can happen sometimes. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of work going on to try and make sure that we are 
touching referees, coaches, players, you know, clubs, etc., um, at grassroots level to ensure that we can take away as much of that as possible. Um, it is an ongoing area that we will always be focusing on. And, you know, it's, it's one that we, we have to continually drive forward um, and keep banging the drum around the fact that this is just not, you know, it's not something that we tolerate. And certainly as a governing body, it's, it's um, very, very high on our agenda. And um, how important are role models like Raheem Sterling, who's, you know, he's somebody in particular that, that that's really come out and, and spoken about his experiences and really kind of confronted them head on, hasn't he? Yeah, I think someone like Raheem is very important. I think role models, uh, you know, the concept of having role models is absolutely vital because, you know, there's the, the story is if you can't see it, you can't be it. And therefore, if people can see people um, at the elite end of the game that look like them, or they can identify with in some way, then it will spur them on to try and, you know, aspire to be like them. So, you know, if I, if I see a, um, if I look back when I was young and I look back at, you know, who was playing football from my community, not very many, to be honest with you, um, and I can't name any of them um, to spur me on to play the game. But my role models were from all types of types of industries. You know, the players I used to look up to back in my day were the likes of the Mark Hughes and the Ryan Giggs and, you know, some of the, the old school players from the 90s that, you know, they don't have to look like me, but they were footballers and I wanted to be exactly like them. So I think we, we are making sure that in 2020 and beyond, we focus heavily on role models. You know, there's some of our programs are geared towards role models in particular. So the work we're doing across Asian inclusion, for example, that particular piece is, you know, if you look at the number of people from an Asian, pan-Asian background, whether you're Chinese or Japanese, for example, or Asian, South Asian, like Indian or Punjabi or Pakistani or Bangladeshi, you know, the number of role models that those communities have, there's not that many, um, but there are some very high profile ones. And therefore, how can we tap into those particular role models? Because those are the ones that people want to be like and they're the ones that they're aspiring to be like. So, you know, there's there's always work we need to do specifically around role models. And I think the positive message that someone like Raheem is driving is only good for the game. And I think you know, it strikes me that the players understand that more and more. They understand the 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 privileged position that they're in, the the platform that they have or platforms now, if you think of say sort of social media and the reach that the individual players can have. And you know, um, you know, and it's sometimes where it's very easy to to bash footballers. I think increasingly, you know, it's, it's also fair to say that the vast, vast majority set a, a really great example and understand the responsibility that yeah. comes with that. Not not just in in the the, sort of the men's national team, but increasingly you're sort of seeing that with the the women's teams as well now, becoming real role models for for, for young girls. They take that seriously, and I think that that's there to be applauded, isn't it? Absolutely. If you look at what the FA is doing across, you know, role modelling and just making sure that we are accessing as many communities as possible. Just some examples, you know, September this year, we published our first guide for coaches and managers in adult football about the importance of mental well-being, you know, focusing on mental mental health, for example. You know, in July of this year, we went to Pride for the first time. We were at London Pride. So it was completely symbolic in the fact that, you know, we embrace people from all types of backgrounds. Doesn't matter who you are. You know, in May of 2019, we... Um, did our first ever um, iftar, which is basically the the Islamic month of Ramadan, yeah. um, and we had three to four hundred people breaking their fast at Wembley Stadium. Never been done before. Hugely symbolic for that particular community. We also did um, this Jewish event of Sukkot, which is you know a temporary shelter. We put pitch side at Wembley Stadium, and we invited people from the from the Jewish community to come and you know come and speak with us and to 
for us to learn more about those particular communities, we've released a faith and faith and football guide, which is if you work in the game, whether you're at grassroots yeah. or other parts of the game, what does it mean to be a practicing um, member of your faith, but also interact with football and play football? You know, if you're observing a, a religion or a religious festival, what does that look like? Um, there's loads of things in and around football that we need to get better at, that we are getting better at and certainly focusing on. Uh, but these are all the things that make a difference because people from those communities will suddenly feel that they are included. You know, this is not about tolerance because tolerance suggests that you are almost letting someone in. You're kind of saying, oh, okay, we will tolerate you. And it's not about that. This is about embracing everyone and what they're all about. So we, I, I almost don't use that word tolerance. I say this is about embracing everybody and what they bring to the table because ultimately what we're looking for is we are looking for the brightest and best players of the future. And the next England football star might just come from a, a diverse background. You know, if you look at the, the diversity of the squad that went to a World Cup in 2018, they were 50% or more diverse. 50% or more of those players were from a dual heritage or an Afro-Caribbean background. And therefore, we know that, you know, if you look at the trends, you look at Birmingham as a whole, Birmingham is going to become according to statistics, is going to become a majority black city probably by about 2023, 2024. And so you have to look at your demographic and, and look at some of our institutions and ask ourselves, are we still connected to our people? Are we still connected to the people of the region? And that's something, that's a constant challenge for us in the FA in terms of having a national agenda in this area. Yeah, well, and what I think is brilliant is that you can see the FA using the platform, using the power of sport, the power of football to to take that approach, to lead by example. And we're, we're sat here talking a few days after after uh, the, the recent general election. And, and you think about how divisive that campaign was on, on all sides, really. Uh, and, you know, it's maybe highlighted some of the, the real issues that, that very much exist in, in society. You know, you would say that, that the country very much you know, needs to come together, needs to, to heal, needs to address the challenges that we've got. And, and for me, you know, I think... Um, the FA and, and the role that Dal's doing here you know, deserves um, a lot of credit for not shying away from it, not kind of going, hang on, we're going to focus on just just turning out you know, a, a great starting eleven to, to compete on the pitch, but sort of recognising it's got a much broader role to sort of play in the, the, the bigger societal shifts that we want to make. And I think, um, as I say, you know, really should be applauded. Okay, so going back to the In Pursuit of Progress programme then, what are the next steps as it enters year two? So the next steps, I, I would say we've had a very good year one. Um, I think if you if you compare what we've done against the backdrop of the fact that, you know, football is seen sometimes as, you know, there's racism in the game and there's various forms of discrimination in the game. I think, you know, we have to acknowledge that those things happen and therefore we're doing what we need to do to try and eradicate or minimise, take away discrimination from the game. Year two is really focusing on and building on some of the things that we've already done. So it's, it's, taking the the grassroots work forward it's generating better relationships with the county FAs those you know the, the counties the, the the football associations in the local counties that regulate football at least administer football in their you know in their regions um, I think it's about developing what we're doing in some of our bespoke programs so whether that be faith whether it be mental health whether it be the LGBT um, agenda there's many things here that we continue to build on so really you know we're not starting from scratch we have a good foundation in place and this is really about momentum and continuing to build um because it's not that we don't do anything it's probably that we just need to do more of it and we need to shout out about it a little bit more as well so i, I i'm quite proud of what we've done in year one certainly in the time that i've been here i think there's a great legacy of things that we're taking forward and i think you know let's see where we get to by 2021 we are very clear about what we're trying to achieve we've got a whole you know 
Um, as you can see from the strategy, there is clear aspiration about what we're trying to do and what that looks like. And so the focus is to continue to build on it. Okay, and just finally then, what would be your parting messages, Dal, on uh, this work that you, you, you're doing? Um, you know, as I've said, I think very proud of what we've done in year one. I'm very proud of where we are going, and, and it's very clear what our remit is. I think it's worth mentioning that the, the, the football family is doing a lot. You know, So if you look at the, the county affairs are doing tremendous work in this space, um, really to ensure that the grassroots game is, is, is working and moving in the right direction. Um, of course, if you ever dis if see any kind of discrimination, it's very important that you report it because it's only by reporting it is that we can actually do something about it and the county FAs and the FA can do something about it. So that would be, you know, it's like when you see something bad happen, then you should do something about it and report it. That's always the right thing to do. Um, worth checking or worth saying that, you know, the, the PFA, the LMA, the Premier League, the, the English Football League are all doing tremendous work in this space in order to obviously um, drive diversity inclusion across the game. So I think collectively there's a massive amount of work taking place um, and so that can only get better and I think the momentum will continue. I mean, just one one question from from me, Dal. You know, that we're we're sat here about to embark on a new decade, and obviously, twenty twenty, um, super exciting from a, an England football point of view because you know we've got the the, the Euros coming up, um, yeah. we've got the the two semi finals and the final are being held at Wembley. So you know, here in in England, it, it's as good as being a, a home uh, tournament as you're going to get under this this format. I mean, what are your hopes for for the tournament um i think that like you said it is as close to a home euros as we can get and i think gareth's in a fantastic position gareth southgate with his squad i would love to see them go all the way um i think you know surely off the back of um the world cup recently and the success given that both the female and the male senior squad have, have come in the top four um clearly demonstrates that we're moving in the right direction so i've got very very high hopes for for the squad of course, I'm going to say I'd love to see them go all the way, love to see them win it. Uh, but by any means, it's going to be a, such a fantastic tournament to watch, given that it's going to be so close to home, um, literally down the road at Wembley Stadium. So I'm really, really looking forward to it. There's going to be loads of um, great stories to tell, I think, around that time. Thank you for listening to The Chamber Podcast. For more episodes, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Deezer, Spotify, Audio Boom or the latest news section of www.greaterbirminghamchambers.com.